Hello and welcome to The Beaten Track. I'm Joe Bullock and as always, I'm joined by Louis Baker. All right, Joe. Um, that threw me a bit, that threw me a bit. Do you normally say all right, Joe? I don't know. Anyway. I think I usually say hello, Joseph. Yeah, but, um, okay. I went, went for something different. Well, that's good because it's a bit of a different episode today because we're returning to, to doing a, a topic and an album, mm. which is very... Um, yeah, I forgot that that was like the structure that we actually started this um, yeah. this podcast with. But mm. most weeks you don't feel like it, but then you get one that sort of fits, and then you roll with it. You know, we can't always be doing topics and albums; it's just too much. Well, yes, I'm, yeah, I'm not that dedicated to to making. But no, we are. Um, right today, Louis, we're talking about post-hardcore the genre and at the drive-in and their um third it was their final album but then they came back and did another one um the third album relationship of command It was exciting because um, not a, a, an album I'd never listened to, band I'd never listened to, but um, one that I was aware of. But uh, yeah, and then a, a genre as well that I'm not. Um, well, yeah, well, I'm sure we're going to talk about it, but no, I wasn't. I'm not overly hot on. Uh, I'd say, um, it's, but uh, yeah, uh, it's been really. I've really enjoyed listening to the album and stuff. So it's been um, it's been exciting, and it's very much got in my sort of head and my psyche at the moment. Hmm. I mean, yeah, you said you were familiar with the Mars Volta before and there's definitely, mm-hmm. obviously there's two of the members of the same and there's obvious similarities in the sound, I think. And I mean, we'll get to the album later, but I feel like a lot of the, maybe the lyrical themes and stuff kind of predate what, what Mars Volta was sort of experimenting with. Yeah, there's definite definite crossover and um yeah there's definite elements of the album that um you feel fit in but also you know there's quite a few differences as well to be fair the um the sound of the album is um um yeah pretty pretty stand out but yeah i'd listened to a couple of miles walter records and and generally enjoyed them it's been a while since i listened to them um so uh, i was kind of having to recall um but yeah i mean yeah the sort of i feel like i don't know i I didn't link them that much whilst i was listening to them maybe until like i I got into the album a little bit more and i started to sort of piece together the uh, sound and the uh, um and some of the uh, um yeah the more experimental elements maybe of the album um reminded me of mars volta And the the abstraction of the lyrics, which kind of becomes a sort of science fiction sort of. Oh yeah, the the, the lyrics. Yeah, you're right about the lyrics. <laughs> yeah, definitely. But yeah, I mean, first we'll talk about post hardcore as a genre. I suppose it's kind of. You said you're not like majorly into. I'm kind of like, I've listened to a few of the bands, but then there's a sort of whole wealth of stuff that I'm kind of not very. 
you know, I haven't had the chance to listen to. So it's a kind of one that I'm mildly familiar with, I think. Um, but I would sort of um, describe it as obviously deriving from hardcore punk, uh, but also noise rock and kind of with a greater focus on melody and experimentation and harmony. A lot of the groups have a sort of influences of lots of different genres like jazz and soul. Um, and very rarely do you have just the kind of screaming vocal of hardcore punk. If, if hardcore punk's about anger, you get a few more different kind of emotions that are explored through post-hardcore and kind of quite a wide variety of bands, but still, I think, quite a recognisable sound despite the kind of the amount of the eclecticism of the kind of genres and groups they're borrowed from with the, the sound. Yeah, I mean, definitely get a sense that... Um of yeah that, that sort of movement away from um yeah your sort of 80s hardcore stuff your uh your minor threat and your circle jerks and bad brains and all the rest of it which um is great i think up to a point um a lot of that stuff is great but i think there is i think there was always going to be a sort of break away from that there's always going to be a um, um a point where the people are going to embrace sort of and start to break out from just sort of like the raw energy sort of side of it. And then, yeah, it, it's an interesting one post hardcore because it doesn't really, it, it's not like it refers to a scene necessarily, but more like a sort of number of scenes or an over a couple of um, sort of like 15 years really. And like um, a number of different bands that you group together. So it's a little bit of a, because I know talking about at the driving, like they're sort of, pieced together with some later bands sort of 2000s bands um, and then there was bands in the 90s there was um things like i don't know like last year and things like that that i was listening to but then you've also got like the very early ones of uh, like uh, fugazi and, and husker do that started to break away from um your uh your like hardcore bands and also bands like and you mentioned noise rock definitely bands like Big Black, we talked about before, and, and Sonic Youth, I think, really important in the in the sort of the move away from just straight up hardcore. Yeah, I think at the drive in a kind of when the release um, relationship with Command is kind of this big breakout of kind of commercial success for post hardcore, and there's still like those kind of commercial bands in the scene, like Pierce the Veil and Sleeping with Sirens, those kind of contemporary bands. But I mean, also at the same kind of time, you had Unwound and Ladder Dispute and stuff. But I mean, I think you're right to point out like uh, Husker Deer and Fugazi, but I think for me, one of the earlier ones that's kind of very sort of emblematic of how the style sort of pans out is Minutemen, really. And they're kind of a band that I'd listened to before and never got into because uh, their album Double Nickels on the Dime is such a eclectic album. It's like each song is either like jazz or funk or punk. And it's kind of this real mix and... Um, very sort of startling and quite a jarring album to listen to. I felt like that was quite influential. And then um, there's bands that I enjoy that are kind of also on the fringes or also quite influential. I, I love Refused, the, um, the Swedish band who mix kind of these sort of jazz breakdowns with really sort of abrasive hardcore punk and and they have like a little electronica sections and stuff. And then um, Drive Like Jehu and um, just other bands like that. So. Yeah, I'm very much on the... There's quite a few post-hardcore bands I like, but not necessarily familiar with all the key players or whatever. Mm, yeah. Yeah, a, a lot of those bands that you mentioned, there's a lot in the 90s that um, 
yeah, I'm pretty unfamiliar with really. But um, yeah, I mean, so I, yeah, I'm probably a little bit more familiar with the sort of like I was mentioning Fugazi and Husker Do and mm. um, records like Zen Arcade by Husker Do, which is might not embrace the sort of like jazz and 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 dub and 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 some of the the sort of wilder side, but it does start to reach out to melody and and things like that and. Um, and has a sort of blending of post-punk and, and hardcore. Same with Black Flag, actually, in those sort of records like My War and Slip It In and stuff. It all gets a bit less um, pure hardcore and a little bit more um, experimental, I guess. And, I mean, I love those Black Flag records. So, yeah. Um, but I also thought, like, I, I was reminded, especially with um, At The Driving, of, of, like, MC5 and Stooges. I know... Iggy's on the album, so there's there's that sort of uh, uh, nice little link to yeah to Iggy and um, but yeah, I always I thought a bit of like MC Five Stooges Stranglers, like a little bit. There's almost like a bit of a proto punk thing. There's all the other thing I would say, and I'm going on a bit, here, but at the driving, there's definitely you can tell there's a real range of influences, um, and in a, probably in a lot of the post hardcore stuff, you get people embracing. Um, Whereas in hardcore punk and also like you think maybe like Ramones or Sex Pistols or Class, there was a rejection really of influence. Do you know what I mean? It was sort mm. of like, a, I think you definitely get a sense of an embrace of influences and stuff and, and more open to covering things and stuff like that. Yeah. And like Husker Do or something, it's the, the really the the willingness to sort of reinvent and to, to kind of, push the envelope into the punk but but when you think about the drive-in it's really um despite their range of influences that does actually differ from um most post-hardcore bands they when you think of that sound and the more specific kind of post-hardcore scene is they, they come to mind instantly because they were such a sort of um, catalyst for their popularity and like just, just right at the center of the movement so and they're one of the best clearly so yeah, yeah, they definitely represent. You know, I, I mentioned influences, but definitely, I think also just represent like some of the elements of just like the hardcore, like drive and and but with some of the sort of the depth and particularly the melodies, like sort of kind of hard hitting choruses and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of I think a lot of what I now associate with that, the drive and definitely have to dig deeper into them is like sort of very energized performances. Um, you know, extremely, um, I was watching performances of them on like Jules Holland and stuff that are just like, um, yeah, incredible, almost like sort of almost like losing control of the songs at points. It's great. Um, but yeah, there's definitely that sense, which is very much, I feel like in the hardcore sort of, um, theme. Oh yeah. And a lot of these songs are headbangers as well. Like even if they kind of, Mm. veer into like different directions and gets kind of slow and melodic they're, they're really sort of tight guitar rhythms and really sort of just pounding bass and drums and stuff it's kind of very energizing to listen to but i mean yeah if that's a, if that's it for the scene then we can move on to, to the I'd, well i guess we've sort of introduced the band already but the album and the, the group yeah i think the band yeah, we sort of segue from the bat and the, the sort of scene to the band, but yeah, the, the, I feel like they do re- represent a real sort of high point of um, certainly of the later years. And um, yeah, I mean, I mentioned the sort of 
the sort of drive then and you mentioned it as well but I mean the the they get in a sort of it's unbelievably energetic and loud sort of feel to to the performances and stuff and definitely going to get that when we talk about the album um but there's um yeah it's um yeah I've been kind of mesmerized a little bit just by watching the performances it's been um especially the way they move on stage as well I don't know I don't know much you've seen of the like performances and stuff but it's um it's fantastic mm. only a bit really but yeah um all right should we go straight into this relationship with commandment yeah let's go for it um I mean I think it's the best summation of their sound and the first album they produced was kind of all overdubs and stuff. And then the second was this more raw um, sound. And this is the kind of perfect blend, I think. Although one of the members hates the mix, which is quite interesting, but I think. Yeah, I read that as well. That didn't, that didn't make sense. I, I No, I did get it. Cause like, I don't know. There's a kind of, in the kind of commerciality, there is a kind of, I feel like it sounds like a commercial kind of post-hardcore mix. It doesn't sound rough, but it's still got the live aspect, the very sort of energetic aspect. I don't know. That's, but I, I, I mean, he's, he's wrong, obviously. The mix is great, but, you know. It's, um, I don't know. But, okay, here's another thing about this album that I'm, I really find it difficult to... Because the song titles are abstract as well, I find it very difficult to identify which song is which in terms of talking about them. But uh. yeah, yeah. I mean, upon first listen, um, it very much felt like one sort of sort of like forty-minute-long sort of like um, non-stop, just completely frenetic, like um, hard-hitting hardcore record yeah no I, I kind of get that and I feel like there's an element of that in their uh, in the whole thing that the way the songs kind of um, there's something in the song structure um, it's definitely and we were talking about like hardcore punk and the differences there's something in the song structure that allows them to kind of go on tangents a little bit and they become there's a little, something a little bit like messy about the way they go about it and stuff and I feel like it all just sort of um, there's a blurring of the lines between the songs and stuff. Remind me a little bit of Sonic Youth in the in the song structures a little bit in the way that they don't quite um, know that they're allowed to sort of go off on these tangents and there's a li- they're a little bit less focused than maybe um, a sort of classic punk tune. Hmm. And the the album starts with our Arsenal and um, it's. I guess a tribute again to the mix and the kind of inventiveness. I love how the song starts with this kind of thundering drums and it's kind of very ominous and you're like, and then it's like a starting pistol, which is a very good way to kind of kick off the album, I think. Um, And these very sort of sharp guitars. It's just a kind of a very sort of pounding hardcore punk song, but then like what we said, the kind of the, and I think this album's got a lot of interesting bridges kind of, which is where the sort of melodies kick in. And amongst the kind of very sharp uh, songwriting, there's these kind of, I guess a tangential quality, yeah, but there's this kind of abstract, sort of more emphatically sung um, bridge, which in this song is, is Have You Ever Tasted Skin? Which is kind of... Uh, <laughs> I think... I think I don't too know. thin. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, I love the interplay between the vocalists and this kind of... 
the real fantastic. Yeah, I mean, there's on so many tracks. There's so there's a lot of great. Sometimes it's kind of call and response, but a lot of the the backing vocals, some of the backing vocals are sort of like the best bits in the uh, the album. Yeah, which again is quite. Um, the sort of style of the back and vocal is very uh, evocative of like hardcore punk, but um, it's done in a really, um, yeah, excellent way. Yeah, it's, it's such a, I mean, it's a great opener, breakneck. You're right, it has this sort of, the pounding drums, and then you've got this sort of isolated bass line to start, and you're just sort of thrown into this like breakneck song, and it's great. I love the, um, the, the sort of opening line of, I must have read A Thousand Faces, um, and the way that that's delivered, and yeah. Um, and I love the way the song stops extremely abruptly as well. And it just sort mm. of, it just sort of, yeah, it's brilliant. Yeah, I mean, it's, the rhythm is so interesting as well with the guitars because it's almost just like, basically like three strokes of the chord and then this alternation is so fast and kind of pounding. It's a real sort of um, throwing it at the deep end, I guess. And yeah, I mean, it's kind of like, it is a great song, but it's... Um, there are other highlights on the album that I would, uh, yeah, it's not my favorite. I mean, Pattern Against You in the next song is great as well. It's kind of similar in, in that kind of drive and that real sort of intensity. And it's kind of a similar length song compared to they become more um, more long and kind of loose as a, well towards the later end of the album and stuff. But there's another one with an excellent bridge and the kind of, breakdowns and the kind of very sharp guitar leads and yeah it's excellent look i mean for this album for me it's like the first eight songs or something i love and then it's sort of i have less of a fondness for like the last three or whatever but I mean, it's a good good bang average um, yeah i mean it's another great great song it's um slightly more familiar sort of song structure to it but um yeah um the you mentioned the breakdowns breakdowns are great just get sort of um, isolated baseline, almost like Pixies S sort of loud, quiet thing going on, but with the loud. It's a little bit louder when it's loud, I think. Um, but yeah, the again, the ascending chorus is really good. Back and vocals are great. The shouts of like following are fantastic, and yeah, I mean both the first two tracks are pretty, pretty great. But I would agree, not the ones that like stand out in my mind as like, um, uh, yeah, the best. But yeah both are fantastic but then you get the the lead single of the album and uh one of the band's greatest tracks which is one-armed scissor um, yeah i mean this was i did i did i did know this track um it was the only song i knew by them um but i mean it's it's sometimes it, it's sometimes you have like a lead track or like the classic thing of like the most known song by a band or something is is a bit pants but Certainly not the case here because um, it's it's so good um, and yeah I, I mean um, you get this kind of like subdued opening and then you're thrown into this really pounding explosive chorus um, and these um, cries of cut away cut away and the vocals across the whole album to be fair excellent but the, the, this song I feel like in particular. Um, and it's easily the most infectious and um, and sort of urgent of all the tracks. It's great. Yes, it's got these amazing snare drums. It's got 
this wonderful variation between you have the first chorus and then the second chorus is a completely different kind of melody, completely different kind of sound. And then it's got probably the best bridge on the whole album um, with this kind of lyrics about writing a letter and the kind of strangely sort of heartfelt kind of isolation and stuff amongst the rest of the song, which kind of has this mildly sort of sci-fi element about slithered in trails and the cargo bay and well, things like that. Yeah. I was going to mention that, I mean, the lyrics are a bit of a weird, you meant, we mentioned the lyrics early on in Mars Volta and stuff. So I'm kind of sort of used to the sort of the lyrical elements, but the lyrics, I mean, on the whole thing, more than a hint of your sort of sci-fi horror thing mm. going on. There are some like subversive things, but yeah, I mean, that you just mentioned, slithered entrails in the cargo bay. I feel like on some of the songs where the vocals become clearer, I'm enjoying it less because some of some of the the lyrics are. Um, I'm just a bit like I don't really understand why there are right. these slithered entrails all over the no, cargo I like bay. This one, what? I think, no, I like this one. Though. I mean, no, I, I think, quite like that lyric. I think the quality do does vary, but I, I do love the lyrics of this song, and I love. And it's got one of the most famous lines. I don't know quite why, but it's got um, this station is non-operational as well, which is the name of one of the compilations. And um, which is again in a completely sort of different style to the kind of the first verse. And it's this wonderful sort of slower guitar melody in this more sort of, I don't know, I guess a shouted. But yeah, like you said, the kind of the, the shouting, um, the interplay of the chorus is amazing. And yeah. Um, yeah, the sort of rolling drum beat on the bridge is amazing as well. And um, it's just a, a wonderful song. Um, but I, yeah, I, I, yeah, I like the song a lot, but I mean, everyone does. It, it is great. It, it's, it is great. Yeah, it's, it's been in, it's like dominated my head for the past sort of five days. So uh, yeah, um, but you, you do finally get a bit of a sort of break at the end of the track, but you get sort of like maybe 20 seconds of, sort of piano and strange noises before you're then once again thrown into uh um yeah and then the next the next track is i think what is it sleepwalk capsules and again the guitars and the drive of the track never really sort of releases and um uh, until you, you get this sort of slightly strange breakdown where he starts talking about lazarus and then and the you're thrown back into the yeah, Lazarus in the party, <laughs> Lazarus through the fight. Um, which, yeah, I don't know. I think, yeah, there, there's some hints on the album where I start to think about some of the elements of 2000s um, post-hardcore and Evo music that I don't find particularly endearing. But um, there's not enough of it for it to sort of get in the way. Mm. And I think, if I remember correctly, this is one where we really sort of the guitars sort of go very fuzzy and distorted at the end. It's very heavy and um, the chorus is so abrupt at the kind of start of the song as well. And um, it's a very sort of cool melody and I like, yeah. But I mean, again, it's the kind of, you could see it as a kind of just a continuation of the other tracks basically. They do kind of blend it, especially as because the, the, the lyrics and the kind of title of the song is like detached from so it's hard to locate them originally if you're not looking at the track list kind of very intently. I mean, um, I guess we talk about Invalid Listed Department because it's one of the ones that is the more of this kind of uh, epic 
length and a kind of very different style of songwriting because it's a kind of begins with these piano chords and these very spacey drums and I almost thought the the sort of slow strain sort of guitar lead reminded me of those those Radiohead songs that are kind of you know the subterranean homesick alien and stuff they're very sort of submerged kind of alien aesthetic and it's kind of um yeah I, I wish I was able to describe um Omar's vocals more vividly I guess because it's such a unique vocal style I think um and this this song has um some of my favorite lyrics on the album I think they're very sort of evocative and, and dark and kind of um like we said kind of abstract yeah it's definitely one of the tracks that maybe begins to hint towards the direction you might see with the Mars Volta uh, has been a longer cut as well. But yeah, you're right. I, I really love the the more gentler uh, guitars at the start and the hook of dancing on the corpse's ashes. And then you get a pretty economical chorus, really. Um, sort of uh, it talks about going into the wishing well. And yeah, but um, yeah, there's more subverted themes here as well. You, and I, I think the song links to um, uh, murders committed in um, a city in Mexico next to uh, El Paso, where they were from. So yeah, you get this sort of um, a lot of violent imagery, um, and yeah, I think there's it's just one of the tracks where the lyrics are also just a bit clearer, and the, maybe the themes are a little bit more um, obvious throughout. Because I think on some of the other tracks, the lyrics are a, a bit more oblique. Mm. I mean, yeah, but they're still in in relation to a lot of other bands. They're still quite abstract. I think the yeah. No, I'm not <laughs> saying that this is a very. I'm not saying it's very clear what this is about. But Pretty I mean, I'm just saying in relate. No, I'm just yeah. saying that you can actually hear the lyrics on this one instead of on some of the others. Well, I think that's me. something that's kind of paradoxical about the band is they are sort of one of the most. I guess they're they're very sort of emotionally earnest in in comparison to a lot of kind of post hardcore bands or emo bands that are probably straining that aspect of it too much then they do have songs that are about kind of um incidents like these like one of their other most famous songs napoleon solo is about um a sort of car car crash that killed uh, two of their friends it's kind of very obviously there's this element of abstraction but it's also very heartfelt and you can kind of see what's going on but i mean this one has has great lyrics like um uh, they made sure the obituaries showed pictures of smokestacks, and, and also I like the this the anesthetic penance beneath the hail of contraband. There's um, yeah, they're kind of moody and emo in a way, but very sort. I I like the one about the paramedics have fallen into the wound and mm. um, like a rehired scab. Um, <laughs> yeah, I thought that was. I you know I would say that the lyrics are, are strong on that one. I thought that it is, and it is a good track. That mentioned the epicness of it. It is much more, um, uh, yeah, epic and and yeah. I quite like the link to like subterranean homes of alien. I I, I get that. Yeah. Mm. And then I mean, I'm skipping one here though, but I'd like to talk about my favourite track on the album. Which Go is for it. The first uh, Iggy joint, uh, which is Enfilada.
Yeah, I mean, I didn't realise it was Iggy on, so I probably listened maybe two or three times. Um, but once you do realise it is him and you do realise he comes back on the next track, I feel like it makes it all even better, despite the fact the track's great anyway. Well, I see, I always knew it was Iggy on the, because it, I've got the CD and it says like courtesy of Iggy Pop or whatever. And I'm like, who's <laughs> what's he doing on the album? It's like, <laughs> but then, so I knew that this, um, this intro to this song is spoken by Iggy Pop, but I didn't realize that the next song, uh, Ryder Dex Propaganda, he has quite a I mean, once you hear it, his vocal parts are quite sort of prominent almost. And it's mm. it's had the effect for me where I didn't know that fact, but I knew that, that he was on this song where you, now no one yeah. listens to it, it sounds different. Like it sounds like it's a different person to what I used to listen you, to. You have to know it's Iggy. And then once you know it's Iggy, you're like, how did I ever not yeah. know that, that was, it's quite clear that that's Iggy. Yeah. But... Yeah. yeah. Um, no, I love that. I love the, I don't, I'm not saying that it's like, I, I think it's great, but I just think the, it's funny the way that they have a phone call opening up um, the track. I think it's very 2000s um, sort of US rock thing that, that people love to do of like these like little snippets of phone calls. It's great. Yeah, well, it is, but it's amazing as well because it's... Yeah, so, it is great. <laughs> it's so kind of, I mean, it's silly in a way because it's like... Um, basically like a kidnapper and he's like hello mother leopard i have your cub and it's kind of it's kind of silly while being like still kind of ominous at the same time and i love how his song starts when it it just kicks into this kind of whirring sound in this very sort of tinny drum machine it sounds so sort of nasty and kind of i love all the kind of slightly distorted and delayed lyrics about um that, you know, this could last a lifetime and and the kind of all the sort of voice of the kidnapper, basically, um, which leads into an amazing chorus, which is Sacrifice on Railroad Tracks. Yeah. Uh, that is the, be- that's the best, the best chorus on here, definitely. It's, it's so brilliant. good, yeah. Um, it's what is it, Sacrifice on Railroad Tracks, freight train range. coming, freight train coming. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's so good. And it's like, yeah, it's dark, but it's, it is such a headbang and you just, it's so addicted to listen to. And I love the, when the second verse starts and it's kind of, I love the specificity of it, the kind of meet me on the corner of, of Fish and Pontiac and stuff. And it's kind of, so yeah, it's a really dark kind of song, but yeah, very fun. Um, it's got this definite sort of sense of foreboding to lyrics. And I think one of the things that marks the, the song like we're talking about the kind of eclecticism of the band you go from this kind of tinny drum machine to um these amazing sort of hand claps in the chorus these hand clap sounds which again i think adds to that sense of kind of you just kind of want to sing along to the song even if the the lyrics are quite dark and then um you also have a kind of bongo or something it's kind of it's kind of very sort of spaced out it's kind of african drums as well which is I love the sort of variation of the drums on the track. It's such a intense and kind of great rhythm. Um, and then they have a breakdown, which has an accordion as well, which is amazing. I love, I love all the I, different sort of shifts of the track. So some of the effects on that track and the slightly submerged, like alien feel to the guitars and stuff are very evocative of, of the Mars Volta. I felt very, they really start to play with, um, lots of sort of um yeah different ways of recording their um 
the sounds and stuff in the um, as they go on through the through the Miles Volta discography and stuff. So that really, um, yeah, and I think it's it's used very effectively on that track, particularly with the way in which the chorus breaks through that and it kind of like comes out of the well, not out of the blue because you're kind of expecting it, but um, um breaks through um and is extremely hard hitting. Um, I really like the next track. Um, I really like Rolodex Propaganda. Um, it's a bit silly, but I do like it. <laughs> the, the Iggy part is yeah. very silly, but <laughs> yeah, I, I really like because Iggy's got this sort of he sort he has, I guess, sort of maybe the main vocal in a way, but he kind of he doesn't really sing, he sort of like stumbles and drools. Of, it's a sort it's, of, yeah, a sort of slobbering or something. It's very weird. <laughs> He's kind of, yeah. He does. Well, he sort of performs the the manuscript replica line in like three different ways, basically. And in one of the the sort of latter one, you, you just think, oh, it's definitely Iggy. How did I not recognise that? Because it's kind of that very much that sound of his voice. Whereas some of the other ones are a bit more him playing around with it. Yeah, it's great. It's such an urgent song. Like, I mean, um. It's got the sort of twists and turns of a couple of the earlier ones, but it feels like everything's kind of like when it when it um, picks up. It feels like all the instruments are like trying to catch up with each other. It's absolutely sort of breakneck and sort of defies the structure. Um, and the guitars. I mean, a lot of the guitars on the album do use these sort of slightly strange chord progressions. Not strange, but um, unorthodox, if you like. And particularly on this track. Um, and yeah, the manuscript replica refrain is is quite catchy in a way um but yeah Again, it's actually shout, brilliant with a shout of you got it yeah in the background is kind of yeah. yeah yeah i saw that was the one that i i saw them perform on on jules holland i watched that on on youtube and um yeah it's mm -hmm. iggy's not there unfortunately but no. um it's still worth a watch it's absolutely yeah ridiculous yes i mean very good song. And then Lou, you get to the songs I don't really like. <laughs> mm. Yeah, you've got a sort of co you've got a sort of COVID nineteen um prediction next track. Yeah, I'm, I'm so the only reason I'm so I no like it. Yeah, I'm so <laughs> norm to those themes now that I don't I don't I'm not into it. Mm. I just think it's lesser returns of the stuff they do on kind of invalid litter department, the more sort of melodic kind of subdued kind of slow i mean i do enjoy the songs actually i, I think i've overstated how much i dislike them because i listen to the whole album and i love it but i think there's a sort of uh a lesser result um even though i think just some of them are either too long or it's kind of not enough ideas explored i mean if the other songs are kind of shifting through so many different ideas and just nailing it every time i think these ones are a bit more yeah. one note i mean especially cosmonaut which is Again, a kind of hardcore punk song, but it lacks the kind of variety of the earlier songs, I think. Um, yeah, I, I agree. And I do think that, I mean, I, I think by the time Cosmonauts finished, I'm a bit like, why well, I need a break now, because it's, um, that is just like a sort of one, a one hit sort of thing. And um, although it is great, and I do quite like Quarantine in a way, there's this sort of melodic, moody opening, bit of a hint of like, Led Zepp going on and they do embrace the influences a bit more in, in that sort of sense and um, I quite like the chorus as well but yeah by the time Cosmonaut's over I'm sort of a bit like I'm, I'm a bit out of breath and like yeah I need to need a break um, mm. yeah and that's 
you mentioned the length of some of the tracks, but yeah, I think that maybe some of the tracks, particularly towards the end, you're a little bit like, um, yeah, this is, yeah, you, you, you put it well in terms of maybe not exploring their ideas as well and not pulling it off as well as some of the other tracks. Um, so yeah, maybe it could be shorter, but I still like the final couple of tracks. I quite like the, the closes a bit sort of quite spacious and, and, and a bit kind of funereal and stuff. Um, and you do get another pretty, pretty great chorus. Chorus. I mean, a lot. Of, I mean, the, the amount of great choruses in this thing is, is remarkable. Mm, I mean, and the riff on Quarantine is really good as well. It's much more sort of slower and sludgy and kind of... Yeah, but I mean, yeah, I, yeah, I don't... I do really like all of the songs. It's just the... For me, the first eight is so, so good. And I, I really love the album. So it's kind of... It's all... Uh, relative, I suppose, to that, but yeah, it is. It's a very good album. Um, yeah, I wish I'd listened when I was fourteen or fifteen because I would have oh, been absolutely would've... obsessed. Yeah. I've been obsessed for about a year. Mm-hmm. I mean, not I'll wanna... probably, probably be, only be obsessed for a month now, and it's just not the same. No, I, I need to go back to the Mars Volta to be honest, because I only listened to um, Deloused and in, in the, the Crematorium or whatever of them. Somewhere it's Deloused, but I mean, yeah, I need to go back to that band. I think. Um, yeah, I mean, I haven't listened to to them for a long time, and I'd like to listen to more of these guys. Um, even if this is the sort of standout, um, yeah, and and maybe try and dig into more of the the contemporary, uh, the contemporary post punk. Have you, have you listened to Refused? Nope. Oh, no, you got to you got to check out Refused. To. Yeah, they're, they're okay. amazing. I tell you what was funny. I was watching a, another performance of um, at the drive, and they were playing someone like Lollapalooza or something like that. And um, uh, he broke into "Totally Wired" by The Fall and dedicated the next track to Marky Smith. And said so many links going on. This. Yeah, he said something like, "If you don't know who The Fall are, um, you've been listening to too much metal and uh, <laughs> R&B." Which it was just I wasn't expecting it, um, right. but yeah. yeah, we're very good at linking things together, aren't we? Mm. Yeah, that is quite funny. <laughs> but yeah, speak, speaks to the variety of the band and they're not just part of the scene, I guess. Because kind of, mm. there were a ton of at the driving ripoffs that, that were probably not very good. But yeah. Um, Louis, we've both got quizzes, I believe. Yes. Yes, we do. Do you, who wants to go first? I don't, I don't mind. I don't mind, mate. I'm, I'm easy. I'm happy to go first. Uh, well, I normally go first, but then I switched last week, so I don't. I don't want it to be if you go first next, to make it seem like it's alternating, because I know that I always go first. But I, I tell you, know, maybe you got to make it up. Maybe, maybe you should go first for like the next ten weeks. I don't know. I don't okay, mind. Okay, I'll go first. I'm going first. All right, that's that's easy. I'm going first. Okay. That we just made a fuss out of nothing there, didn't we? That's <laughs> no, just me. <laughs> I've I've got a quiz all about El Paso, Texas, which is where the band are from. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Which is uh yeah. Play some that couple... familiar with. Nope, me neither. <laughs> uh so good luck. Thanks. First question. What is the name of the river that the city stands on? The river also gives its name to a western starring John Wayne. But I feel like that's not a clue because he's but I guess it is a clue. Yeah, that is a clue, and I've actually watched quite a few John Wayne films. So, um, okay, all right, uh, but I don't know. I mean, is it? Wait, 
I'm gonna, okay, this is going to sound dumb, maybe, but I'm going to go get El Dorado. No, it's not. Well, just because that's a John Wayne film. And that's, it's, uh, no, it's, it's actually not the Eldorado. lost city, isn't it, Eldorado? But I mean, like well, that. it's funny, right? Okay, so there's a lot of funny things going on. Park Eldorado, but it's not Eldorado. It's Rio Grande, oh, which is okay. a John Wayne film. But it's it's all the river also has another name, Rio Bravo, which is also a John Wayne film, yes. which was remade as Eldorado. So you sort of got it right. And I've way. seen all three of those films, and I said Rio Grande is really not very good. Um, but Rio Bravo is. Rio Bravo is amazing, and El Dorado is a Robert Mitchum and John Wayne as opposed it is, to yeah. Dean Martin. I mean, yeah, just Rio Bravo is definitely the best of those. Um, but yeah, you got it wrong, but right all at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> if you reverse engineered it enough, you'd get yeah, I'd get that. All right, question number two: the Western uh, song El Paso was frequently performed by which classic American rock outfit? It was uh, not their song, but they performed it all throughout their career. At, uh, so what's the song called? El Paso. It's named after the... Uh, oh, I mean... Because there are... I'm, I'm going to go Leonard Skinner. Oh, it's probably a pretty good guess. It's not uh, Grateful Dead. Uh, mm, okay, yeah. yeah. Mm, mm. Oh, okay. I've got two more, but I might I might just give you one. No, give me both. I want to hear them. Oh, all right, okay. Can you name the 2007 film that this, that uh, El Paso features in? Uh, most of the action centres around a mysterious hitman. Yes, I can name the film. That is Go my country for old men. <laughs> it is indeed, yeah. Yeah. I think El Paso is where the um, the sort of um, motel is towards the oh, uh, okay. the rear of the film. But I won't spoil it for no. people who haven't watched. And finally, uh, the fourth question. Done pretty well here, uh, even though you've got well, only one. one right. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think you got the first one right. Okay, so El Paso is the birthplace of which American protest singer? Um Clue, Billy Bragg wrote a song uh, saying that he dreamt about him last night. I mean, I'm not actually familiar with Billy Bragg, so I'd have to say um, Woody Guthrie. Ah, oh, you got the wrong one. It's Phil Oaks. So, uh, oh, yeah. I mean, I should got know, one actually, out of four. I've, I've read Woody Guthrie's autobiography, so maybe I should be paying a bit more attention. Um, mm. to, as to not pick him, I suppose. Um, but yeah, I mean, I actually think, Lou, my quiz you're going to do quite well on. Um, okay. Oh, that'll be a change. Not because that, but because I think because your your logic will suit them, not because they're like super, not because you know them, but because I think you'll be able okay. to. I don't know. Right, okay. I've never heard reference to my logic before, so I, I quite like that. Yeah. I'm, I'm, a, I'm the first person to acknowledge the existence of your logic, which is <laughs> quite, a, quite a compliment, I think. Mm. Um, my quiz, though, is all about driving. I thought it. I, I thought this might. Well, I'm glad you didn't pick okay. that. You went a bit more. No, I, I I sort of wandered around it, but didn't. You mm. know. But what? Yeah, I'm ready. Okay, number one. It's a best of three. Not best of three. It's it's a. There's, there's three questions. It's three questions. Yeah. Yes. Um, in the song Sandy from the hit musical Grease, wherein Danny is stranded at the drive-in, which weekday does he reference? Oh. Uh, Monday. Yeah, 
See, I need yeah. this one. This is I was gonna do my quiz on, on this song and and I feel like um I don't know, not I not that I researched the lyrics or anything, but I was I was trying to think of a way that and I was like, no, I can't make a quiz out of one song, but I could, because you well, because also one of the things about the well, I guess you could make it about the song and the clip in the film, because there's a bit of the blob that plays, so you could be like, what? Yeah. So I was thinking about making that question, but I didn't because I didn't want two Greece questions. But um, number two. Yeah. Yes. In which decade did the number of drive-ins in the United States peak? <laughs> okay. Well, Greece is what? 50s? Or set in the 50s? Yeah. I reckon it's about then. I reckon it's going to be sort of... I reckon it's going to be 60s. It's got a decline in the 70s, surely. Um, I'm going to go... I'm going to go, when did it peak? 60s? No. When was it? 50s. Ah, no. I believe. I believe it peaked in 1958, and the number was about 4,063. It's not about this. I would have have liked to have been stranded at the driving. Yeah, I get what you mean, though, because it's kind of increasing. You didn't think it would... Yeah, Yeah, I didn't think it would drop off so, so quickly. Right. Number three, which might be a more difficult question, but I tried to narrow it down a bit. Um, yeah. In the nineteen ninety six film Twister, have you seen Twister? Nope. Okay. Uh, so it's a complete guess. Uh, which which Stanley Kubrick movie is being shown in a sequence where a drive-in theater is destroyed by a tornado? Oh, uh, I feel like I do have a memory of this. I don't know. I'm going to go. Um... Uh, 2001. No. So ah. It's The Shining. What was it? Yeah. But I mean... That's more of a... That's sort of a driving, driving theatre sort of sort of mm, thing to show, I really. Like I driving guess. A bit of a 2001 would be. Yeah, there'd be lots of people driving out, I feel, after mm. two hours. I mean... Yeah. Okay, we're both just sort of equally... I mean, yeah. I did quite well for, for me. Okay, yeah, there's more questions for you, so I've got less proportional questions, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. They are they are named after Stranded at the Driving, aren't they? The, the, at the Driving. <laughs> They're <laughs> named after the Grease song. <laughs> They've got to be. I mean, there's a clear so, influence. There's a clear, yeah. Yeah. there's a clear straight line between uh, like Enfilada and uh, the Grease soundtrack. Or, or one arm scissors, definitely straight from the grease play, but yeah. Yes. Yeah, I mean, that's it from us, I think, this week. Um, it's been good times for all. Yeah, very much enjoyed it. <laughs> yeah, uh, thanks for listening. Yeah, see you all next week.